10 Xers, once again, it's Philip Wilstankowski, another 10X ambassador from Macedonia that unfortunately got rejected for visa and won't be able to join you in Miami for GrowthCon. So I decided to start interviewing other 10X ambassadors so they can share their experience and we can learn from them. So in this episode, we have a really interesting 10X ambassador. He's a university professor. He runs three companies. He's starting a fourth one. And in his early 20s, he was running a real estate company for 10 years while he was outside of the United States and traveling. And none of his tenants even knew about it. So, guys, I would like to welcome Toby. Thanks a lot, Phil. Is it it's Phil, Philip? Yeah, Phil or Philip. Yeah. Okay. So, Toby, could you please share me your background? I know it's it's a long story, but we would like to hear it. Sure, but that's okay because I talk for a living, so I love to listen to myself. <laughs> uh, I actually, be- before we start that, though, when you started doing these podcasts and uh, and you were telling your story about how you got rejected for the visa to come to the conference, the first thing that I thought of was, well, why doesn't he try American Express or MasterCard? <laughs> and, then I, and then I realized what kind of visa it was you were rejected for. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that, that every time I hear you say it now, that still comes to mind. It's like, oh, oh, no, it's the other kind of visa. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, so that was kind of interesting for me. But, uh, yeah, so my uh, background, let's see, I was born at a very young age. And then a few things happened. And uh, when I was uh, in, see, so you mentioned a little bit about my early real estate investing. And so I, I guess I'll just kind of start there. So I was in my final year of engineering school and I was walking home from class one day and I, and I walked by a, a three family house that had a for sale sign in front of it. And I just said, I wonder how much one of those things costs. And so this was back before cell phones. And so I uh, so I memorized the number by repeating it over and over to myself as I walked back home. I got to the uh, the landline phone that was hung on the wall in the kitchen, and I called the realtor, and she explained to me how much the house cost, and I started doing math in my head. I, I mentioned I was walking back from engineering school, so I was pretty good at math, and I said, wait a minute. Now, the first floor there would pay the mortgage. The second floor would pay me, and I could live on the third floor. Why doesn't everybody have one of these? <laughs> and so that was how I was introduced to real estate as a as a investment vehicle. Um, and so I started shopping that day. I didn't buy anything for about a year after that. But when we got up to about 12 units, it actually it was at six units that I got laid off from an engineering job. And I was really mad for several hours. I, and I stopped being mad when I realized I had more cash flow for my real estate investments than I ever got paid as an engineer. And so I declared myself retired. It was a, it was a rainy November day in 1997. And I always called it tuna fish retired because if all I wanted to do was eat tuna fish sandwiches, I was retired. I had enough cash. And uh, and so at that time, I went to graduate school because when you're tuna fish retired and you're 27, you get bored pretty quick. So I started I got a graduate degree in engineering while I was at the university. I, I took on some consulting jobs and some odd jobs in helping out in some of the laboratories. And about 13 years ago now. They had a, a position of uh, operations manager for one of the laboratories that was unfilled and they'd waited too long to advertise it. And I, I told them, I will do it while you look for somebody. And I guess they haven't been looking very hard because I've been doing that job for about 13 years now. 
Um, and, 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 and it was kind of interesting. I, I thought that I would like teaching. So I took the job to find out if I would like teaching, and I loved it, which is a little bit about how I got involved with Grant Cardone. Okay. Uh, amazingly enough, I once I decided I loved teaching, I decided I wanted to learn how to be good at it. And so I started reading the research journals that people write about teaching. And I didn't like anything that people that people that study education and write about teaching, they didn't write anything that interested me. And so I transitioned to learning about learning instead of learning about teaching. And that was a little bit better. So the people that do these academic journals and write about learning seem to have a better understanding of what's going on. So that helped me improve. But because of my business experience in running the real estate company, I really understood at an early age that everything is about selling. And I realized that salespeople do a lot of education also in some roles. And, and so I started learning and researching about selling as part of my attempts to get better at teaching. And, uh, and, and so that's sort of how I got into this. So I was always open to sales training information, people that talk about sales. I think I truly believe this is that all buy decisions at the instant of the purchase are emotional. It's always an emotional decision. Any logic that happens is filled in afterwards to justify our decision. Definitely, definitely. That's it, 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 So I try to bring that into my teaching also. I've, I've had the students tell me that I'm a, a dynamic speaker. Maybe it's because sometimes I'm hiding under the table in the front of the class while lecturing to them. And sometimes I'm sliding across it to demonstrate the lack of friction. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting to see. <laughs> yeah. Share some videos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess a, a few years ago, see, I was introduced to Grant Cardone on a real estate web ca uh, website on a podcast. Um, and he did a, he did an episode for Bigger Pockets several years ago. And that was while I was in part of a, uh, a journey in my life to, uh, to do a little bit more personal development and to improve my person. Um, it was after, so I got out of real estate investing, got back into it. And so it was at that transition moment where I was getting back into real estate investing that I, I heard this podcast and he mentioned that his, I think he had the book 10X was new at the time that I saw the, uh, the podcast to listen to it. And I said, this guy knows what's going on. I got to know everything that he knows. And so that's when I started my Grant Cardone journey is I got TEDx. I listened to it when I would go for my morning walk. I think I listened to it five times straight through before I really started studying it. And, uh, and it was that, that whole idea of you won't put enough effort into doing anything if the reward's not big enough. And so if you're not, if it, it's that whole idea of, of take your goals and 10x them. And so I had just before reading the book, I had decided that I wanted to be worth a hundred million dollars. That was, that was a big stretch. That's a nice goal. I said, I, I, I want to be worth a hundred million dollars. And, and it was Grant transitioned that I don't want to be worth a hundred million dollars. I want to be worth a billion dollars. Okay. Even if you miss, it will be good. <laughs> well, I mean, even if I only get a tenth of the way there. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. <laughs> and, and so, and so, so he, the whole lifestyle experience that always excited me. I've done a, a couple of, I think a couple of Periscope calls with him early when he was getting into Periscope. And we just talk about real estate investing and the importance of having a uh, partnership agreement if you have a partner. Okay. Any lessons to share there? Well, my first venture into real estate investing, my, uh, my partner and I were in love when we started the company. 
And that's always a bad reason to start a company. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and when she told me she had finally decided to get married, I was like, well, good, because I've been waiting for this for a long time. And then she told me it was to somebody else. Oh, <laughs> this is when I decided that I'm going to be the man here because I'm making a boatload of money from that real estate company. And I don't want to stop that. So I said, I can deal with this. And um, and, and so we did for several years until I got married. And then, well, there's some details, but but at any rate, when I got married, I wanted to sell the company. It was in the middle of the housing boom in 2005. Okay. And she refused to sell because she didn't want my new wife to have any of the money. <laughs> Women. <laughs> Why? It took, it took almost, it took, uh, I think, about seven years to finally then divest ourselves of of that investment. And, uh, and it turns out I did all the management and the only way I could force the sale was to cause the company to lose money three years in a row. I see. Unfortunately, it's, it was easy to lose money in, in rental real estate. Just don't put tenants in the apartments. <laughs> and as soon as, as soon as she agreed to sell, I magically was able to fill up all the apartments in about a month. <laughs> yeah, it's because of 10x ambassador group. <laughs> yeah, and uh and then uh, and then when we got down to the last three properties, we actually sold three multi-unit buildings in a day, and that's by selecting the right realtor and having the right price. Interesting, interesting. I have I have something to add here what you said with partnership and real estate. Recently, I have a big problem that I want to solve that my family is trying to solve like for 8 years now. It's with my uncle. We divided one apartment that can be turned in commercial real estate. And for eight years, we are just telling him, come on, let's partner up. Let's do it a commercial space and we can just rent it to a bank and, and make passive income like every month without working. And he, he, he just doesn't get it. And the apartment, it's like totally destroyed. It's in the middle of the center. It has the best perfect location in the town but he doesn't see it. So it's some kind of a partnership there. And now his daughter came. She lives in the United States. Uh, she has a husband that is uh, from the United States. And he just went there and he would say like, what are you doing? Why don't you just go do it to commercial real estate? And we are like, yes, eight years we are telling him that, but he doesn't understand. So eventually, because now the flat is totally destroyed, they want to sell it. And I'm just trying to, to get it at a cheap price. And after that, I'll just convert it to real estate. So I understand your pain there with, with the partnership. It's harsh. It's harsh. It worked out fine in the end. I always give her a hard time and said, you know, you cost each of us a million dollars by not selling then. What I'd never tell her is that I had an investment picked out for that million dollars. I was going to put it into a REIT and that REIT failed. So I would have lost a million dollars either way. <laughs> <laughs> And, and Grant talks about REITs also and why REITs are a bad idea. So if you're if you're interested in this kind of real estate, I 100% recommend just follow Grant Cardone's real estate talks, anything he says about it on uh, online. He is the man and knows what he's doing there. Yeah, definitely. I think he's close to a billion dollars in, in real estate holdings. I think they hit a billion dollars under management this year. Um, if, if they haven't hit it yet, they're super close. Yeah, I know that his new goals are to double that like two billion for this year probably he will miss it but even if it's a billion and a half he's good <laughs> but yeah and that gets to the 10x you gotta have a goal that's worth fighting for yeah we're doing yeah definitely 
and you've got to have a plan. You've got to have a, a way to uh, to get there. And so that's that's kind of why I joined the 10x ambassador program, which I know is sort of the the purpose of this program. Yes. Or your your podcast talk about what we get out of the 10x ambassador program. And so my my plan to get to a billion dollars, I'm happy to share it with the world because I don't think too many people are going to try to do it. So even if they know about it, it doesn't hurt me. Okay, let's do it. And so when we were getting back into the real estate investing business, um, the uh, the small residential properties that I had experience with in my local market appeared to me to be in a huge bubble, and they were they were just all overpriced. Uh, it was certainly impossible to finance one and have it cash flow. Uh, just based on the numbers. And so I started looking at commercial real estate because that didn't appear to be in the same kind of a bubble. And I started learning about doing commercial real estate. I actually signed up for uh, one of the Rich Dad programs specifically to learn how to invest in commercial real estate and did that for uh, for a while. And, uh, and I had a, a good friend and mentor of mine who was trying to convince me that maybe I should be investing in businesses instead of real estate. And so we decided that we would look at both and we would we would explore both directions. We created a small startup company. So I, at the university, I teach manufacturing engineering. And so my my goal is to make engineers that understand some, how something is made so that maybe they would design things that can be made later in life. Okay, interesting. And we've had some really amazing programs that we've run where we've hired our, our students to train long-term displaced workers to be operators of this fancy computer-controlled uh, machining equipment. And so there's, there's a couple things that I believe I know how to train people to use that equipment. And I believe I know how to operate a manufacturing company. And so we decided that we would find out if I was right. And so so we, we created a, a startup company called DBT Robotics. We immediately went out and purchased a small manufacturing company as an asset sale, brought all of that into our company. So now we're a startup with 30 years experience. So we get the employees, we get the customers, we get all the machines and their, and their history and stuff. So that, that's good for us. And then and our goal is to actually find a thousand of those companies and acquire a thousand of them. So the, the target company is doing between a million and six million dollars in revenue has between three and 20 employees. Wow. 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 Well, that's definitely a 10x goal <laughs> and thinking. And it's funny. If I talk to a financial person and, and tell them that's my my strategy, my plan, they say, well, how are you going to fund all that or how are you going to finance all that? And when I talk to anybody that's ever acquired a company, they understand that the answer is one deal at a time. There's this particular type of company that we're buying is a, uh, a manufacturing company that's called a job shop. And so these are companies that do contract work for other people. So General Motors is making um, is installing something in their car. They'll outsource that to a, a second-tier supplier for that, who then in turn might outsource some components that go in that assembly to a third-tier supplier. And we're in that third to second-tier supplier area. So somebody else designs the part. They send it to us. We give them a price. We make the part or we make 10,000 of the parts or whatever whatever it is. Those are the types of companies that we're, we're looking at. There's about 30,000 of those companies in the United States right now that are about to close. Oh. And they're closing because the owner is 74 years old. None of the kids want to take over the business and none of their employees are capable of taking over the business. And you saw an opportunity. And so there's a, there's a great opportunity there. And I'm happy to share the opportunity with the whole world because I know not too many people are going to do it. So I'm not worried about competition there. <laughs> 
And we've got some really good uh, methods. As, as Actually, you mentioned that we've got a, a fourth company coming online. Uh, that, that's actually kind of a funny story. One of my university students, when he was 18 years old and I had an idea, uh, and the, the thought was that nobody was really good at using the Internet to sell these kind of manufacturing services. There's a few people in the space. Certainly nobody has dominated that space. And so we said, if we wanted to be, what would we do? We came up with a little test thing. We started marketing around the week of Christmas a few years ago. And all we wanted to do, I had some excess capacity in my machinery. We wanted to sell enough work so that I could get rid of my excess capacity. We had to shut the marketing off in two weeks because we had too much. We're over capacity. So we tried it again. And this was just with a couple of Facebook ads. Look, Facebook ads targeted a couple specific groups, really cheap ads. We did it again, had to shut it off after two weeks. We repeated that about three times and said, wait a minute, this is a different business. This isn't just selling Toby's excess capacity. This is hooking customers up with suppliers. And so we built a new company from scratch. It's all cloud-based software um, where you can upload your uh, your drawing file or your part file or whatever it is. We send you a quote back. You purchase the part. If we don't have the capacity to make it in-house, we outsource it. We bring it back, do the inspection, ship it to you. So that company, we actually spun it off as a separate Delaware C-Corp. When we talked to the venture capital people out in California about it at the beginning of it, they valued the company at $5 million based on the idea and the team. When the idea consisted basically of what I just told you, and the team was just two of us, a college professor and an 18-year-old kid. (laughs) (laughs) And then, but we decided we didn't need the venture money, so we were going to bootstrap the whole thing. And so, so he is now graduating from college, and he just accepted a job at Apple. And if he's an employee of Apple, he can't also be the owner of a software company, or at least it's very complicated. So instead of uh, instead of him working out all the complicated stuff with Apple, we just did a uh, a share purchase of that company. So the company we spun off about two years ago, we just bought back. Bureaucracy. <laughs> yeah, and so we're going to operate that as a separate company, and that's again, it's a, a a cloud-based software company, and it's it's kind of an amazing thing. So I was talking about the how the uh, 10x ambassador program ties in. So part of our acquisition strategy when we buy a new manufacturing company is to bring in sales and sales training. And so we actually in our offer letters when we when we talk to somebody about buying their company and when we talk to the bank about financing that purchase, Cardoon University is a central point of the value that we bring to the transaction. How come? For the most part, these smaller companies with the three to 20 employees, they don't do any sales. There's no external sales. It's all whatever's coming in. So we're bringing a new factor to that business to grow the business. And not only that, we we rely on the data that Cardone University can supply about how their program increases sales at a company over these periods of time. And so, so we actually have a lot of conversations with them. And so every new acquisition, we're bringing in more Cardone U. I haven't, and, and I personally had spot selected some of the Cardo New things, and I, I watch Grant all the time and, and get the, the free YouTube version of Cardo New. And I realized that if I'm actually promoting to the bank that Cardo New is going to make my purchase better, maybe I should have gone through it. And so when, when the access to Cardo New came up in the ambassador program, the ambassador's seat at the 10X Growth Con, it just all made perfect sense. Of course, I have to get it that way and go through that program. So that's why I'm in this group is because I wanted to make sure that I had actually gone through the training that I'm telling everybody is the best training in the world. 
as they say, <laughs> you you put <laughs> you put the money where your mouth is. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, and then and then the interactions, especially on the Facebook group and the uh, the live calls, um, has been uh, has been amazing, and it's been a great uh, great experience for me. I also managed to get involved with uh, with Joel Iron. Iron Man and uh, and Nate and some of those other guys in uh, in the Pick a Mentor program. I don't know if you talked about that or talked with them. I about. I spoke with uh, James. He was the one who yeah. referred you. He James. explained. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he explained me generally what was the idea with uh, with Pick a Mentor. I think it it makes a lot of sense because there is a lot of bullshit outside on the internet. Everybody that made a sale or two, he thinks he's a guru and he just pick up his iPhone and he makes a. He rents a Lamborghini and he makes a video and blah blah blah. I mean, I'm I'm telling this story, uh, seeing it from eyes as from Eastern Europe, not as an American. I mean, it's bullshit. I'm just watching kids that are 16 years old and they are selling like, oh, buy my course and you will make million dollars on stock exchange. Here it is. This is my dude. Come on, chase girls. I respect that you made money, but please fail hundred times, come up and then succeed and make a course. So. Yeah, one one of my uh, one of my good friends he he said you know you're not really an engineer until you've made a million dollar mistake. Of course, <laughs> of course, definitely, definitely. And, and I've I've made a couple of those. So yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> can you share a little bit about Pick a Mentor? Uh, sure, I can. It was uh, it was actually Joel who who came up with the idea and uh, he put out a uh, a post to the ambassador group. He said, if, if you've spent over $100,000 in personal development in the last couple of years, can you send me a private message? I want to chat with you about something. And so the, the group of people that he's put together have spent, I, th- I think, somewhere north of a million dollars on personal development in the last, I, I don't know if it was two years or five years. And we all do it. In fact, I did it last week on a, on a little thing, I, I, a couple hundred bucks I, I put into a thing. We're all, no matter how disciplined we are and how much we um, – We've experienced this. We're all looking for a magic pill. Yeah. Right. We're looking for that next thing that's going to be so much better than the last thing that we did. And there are no magic pills. They're not. But there is a huge amount of useful information out there. And now the trick is how do you get the right useful information? And for each person, that's going to be an individualized question. The things that you need to know right now are how to talk to the guy that issues visas at the embassy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. That that was expensive lesson. <laughs> but someday we'll get together and talk about this over some some wine or beer or something. And uh, yeah, definitely. I, I have I have some visa issues that I can talk about too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> other type of visa. <laughs> no, no, well, both kinds. But uh, so with the with the pick a mentor, what we're, we've experienced many of these gurus. We've experienced many of these programs. I mean, I. I Literally try to spend as much as the students that go to the university where I teach every year in get, making myself smarter. So they complain about their $60,000 a year tuition. But I, I think it's not hard for me to spend $60,000 a year in making myself better, whether it's by going to GrowthCon, by joining groups, by these masterminds. And people are marketing these because I've been in that game. My name's on email lists. So people market these things to me. Right. And so I, I, I don't lack for opportunities to join a $30,000 mastermind. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's easy for you. (laughs) Well, to find the opportunity. Eventually, your wife complains if you buy too many of those. Yeah, (laughs) I can imagine. (laughs) But the uh, the thing is, I've been in some phenomenal mastermind groups that cost three hundred dollars a year to be a 
a member of the group or a thousand dollars a year or things like that. And, and it's really about at this moment, how do you choose the thing that's going to move you to the next step? Okay. That's useful. I think one of the, one of the real estate um, mentors that I had, um, he, he said, when you've got a lot of deals at deal flow going, when you've got a lot of opportunities and there's different things going on, you have to, every morning, you got to look at that list of things and what, what's fastest to cash. So if you need, if you need cash right now, what activity can I do that's going to bring in cash soonest? You have to know that. That might not be the thing you have to do today because you also have to do the things that are going to bring in long-term wealth. Yes, yes. So, so you need to prioritize in some way. And you need to be making an informed decision every day about what you're going to do. So, you know, if the electric company is going to come shut the power off, you need to get them, you need to get them a check. And so you need cash today. But, but, you, but if all you do is spend all, time, all your time worrying about how am I going to get cash today, you may lose the vision for the bigger picture. So you've got to, you've got to spend some time doing both of those kind of thoughts. But with Pick a Mentor, um, with our pooled experience, we're trying to help the, the people that join the group get the information they need when they need it from a credible source. So not from the guy that's renting rent the Lamborghini and throwing $100 bills up in the air. It's, he's probably not a credible source. The other thing is there's the big hype about uh, CEOs read six books a week or something like that or, or, or a book yeah. a week or it's like that, right? Yeah. And, and so I do that. I probably read four books a week. Wow. But it's not for new books. Mm-hmm. One of them might be a new book. But, but it's, it's um, if I find that I'm, I'm slipping in my, in my confidence, for example. So if I, I, if I realize maybe I'm not, I'm not taking all the action that I could take because I'm not sure it's going to work. And, that's, and if, if we don't take action, it's because we don't believe it's going to work. I'll go to Chapter 4 from Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. And I'll read chapter four from Napoleon Hill's Drinking Grow Rich five or six times. And this is the one where you learn about auto-suggestion. It's where you learn that you can control the programming that goes into your mind. I've got a statement of my goals similar to what Grant does. Grant says he writes his goals down every morning. Yeah, and night. Right, right, and morning and night. Um, in the Napoleon Hill book, they say you should recite them aloud every morning and night and a certain number of times. So – I get that. I look at it. I said, is it bringing me to the place I want to be? Um, and one of the things that's in, in, in the, um, in the masterclass for the pick a mentor thing, I'm going to talk about how do you create one of these things and, and how do you do that? But basically it's, um, do you know what you want? And do you have a set of actions, a set of habits that you're going to do every day that are going to bring you in the direction towards what you want? Interesting. Interesting. And so if, if you have that, if you know what you want and you're taking the actions and you're not going in the direction you want to go, then your actions are probably wrong. Yeah, you have the wrong actions. If you've got the actions and you've got the direction and you're not doing the actions, then you don't believe, but but it's because you don't believe the actions are going to work. Oh, yes. So then you need, to, you need to reinforce in your mind that those actions are going to work. And so maybe just take a smaller step. Okay. Take a small step towards that. But but anyway, so there's, there's tools that help us remember to do this. So if I, if I find, what's another good example? I mean, I, I just love that Napoleon Hill chapter, chapter four. If you don't, if you never read anything else, read chapter four from the, from the Think and Grow Rich book. That's one of the most influential books, I believe, in personal development. And also, I like your idea that you say that you need to repeat to remember. I finished law school and one of the things that stuck in my man, mind in Latin is uh, repetition est mater studiorum, meaning repetition is the mother of all learning. 
Absolutely. It was uh, so my uh, my mother was the master of this, that um, she could make herself believe anything was true. If you repeat enough, enough by repeating it to herself. And so she would have a fantasy in the morning. And by the time I got home from school, we were moving. <laughs> right. My father would would uh, mention to her over breakfast that the company he worked for was bidding on a job in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And by the time I came home from school, we I had to start packing because we're moving to Cheyenne tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 so so I observed at a very young age that you can influence your mind um, by by observing her doing during those things. And then the Napoleon Hill book really formalizes it and quantifies that. And um, it's really about helping people go the direction they want to go. And the first thing you've got to do is you've got to get your mindset right. You've got to believe that you can have the thing that you want. And you've got to clearly define what that thing is and how to get there. I definitely support Pick a Mentor because I see it as, a, in some way, a road to choose uh, whom you should follow, whom you should learn. There is so much of uh, information there, like I said, from people that are not credible. And now people absorb information from 10, 15 people and they paralyzed in some way and they do nothing except requote their stuff but they don't take take the action i don't know what to do they're confused so i see pick a mentor it's like a knowledge to choose whom you should follow compared to your goals whatever you like to achieve so i assume you you have a lot of resources and information there how does it how does it work can you explain a little bit like is it a course or uh, so we're we're still working out all the details of how the the final end product is going to work. But the uh, what what we've got available or open up to the uh, ambassador group now is a um, a mastery class about how to get your mindset right and how to know what direction you should be picking that mentor. The current plan is that that would be available. For, I, think, I think for the nine dollars and ninety seven cents that is uh, listed for, that's available for fifteen days. So you can go through that program. Um, and then and then so as part of that, though, all of us have been in all these different programs and we're, we've compiled our notes from going to these programs. So I'll go to a, a three day seminar on marketing for real estate and I'll take two notebooks worth of notes at one of those three day seminars. And so we're pulling out the key information from that and putting it together in, in a series of workbooks, which then the, the people that get into the, uh, the, the higher version of this get access to those workbooks and they get the workbooks they get to keep the workbook okay and so it says from this guru these are the key things that i learned if you want to learn more about this go to that guru from this from this master class that i was in these were the key things that we learned these are the and in fact some of these you might even say so uh, i've been in some of these real estate training programs where i had five or six different trainers through the course of the thing if you join one of those programs you end up picking your trainers based on what what topic they're teaching and what days it's available and things like that. And so from some of those programs, I can even say this guy was really great at teaching this thing and this guy was really great at teaching this thing. Um, and so I, I think the, the people that manage those those programs usually get the right people teaching it. But it's good to have that feedback is to know the things that you're going to get. There's also some of those trainers that teach in multiple programs. So if, for example, I signed up through Rich Dad for one of these programs and the guy I met that was like one of the best real estate trainers I've ever met, he taught for Rich Dad. He also had his own program and he taught for another guy. It's possible the one I paid for was the most expensive. I don't have that data in front of me, but I, I do remember that 
if I had known about him through a different platform, I would have talked to him directly as opposed to through that particular platform. I see. I see. So pretty much he, he teaches the same, but through different platforms. That has a lot to do with the way they do the sales for that. It's, um, you know, they get you in the little, the, the free two day seminar and then they sell you a package to go to this and, at that thing, you get into the they get the offer for the next package and that and so and so it is like a funnel, but it's a physical funnel where you're sitting in a room. Several of these trainers work with more than one of those companies, or it's and it's different marketing companies that are promoting the stuff the trainer's doing, but the marketing company puts their brand on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. I like the idea. Now I see it a little bit clearer. I mentioned, I think James mentioned this, and I mentioned on the previous podcast. I see this in some way as a comparison with the artificial intelligence. When something happens, let's say with driving, driverless car, if the driverless car make a accident by doing some kind of mistake, immediately everybody in the network, all the other machines, they immediately know, okay, don't don't go left, do right, or something like that, or slow down exactly. in this situation. Exactly. So this is it's, kind of similar, right? Distributed, yeah, it's sort of that distributed intelligence or... I kind of think, and it's actually something that we're, we're doing our software company at Anchor Labs is, um, not all engineers are made the same. Yes. True. And not all engineers are able to design something that's, that's inexpensive to manufacture, but maybe they wanted something that was inexpensive to manufacture. And so, and so we're, we haven't released this yet, but the, the next version of the, of the website as it comes out, if, if you, upload your drawing it gives you the chance to say i'm a pro here just take my stuff or step me through the wizard i i call it a wizard there yeah um, but it might not might not really be a wizard but it's it's in this design world there's different levels of information that you might have available to give me as the as the manufacturer the first level is in your mind you know what it is you think you want if you haven't gotten there you shouldn't be talking to a manufacturer yet but sometimes we talk to people that only have the information in their mind. They haven't written anything down. They haven't picked up a piece of paper and a pencil yet. True, true. So we can help that person guide them through the process of getting their finished part. At the same time, you may have, um, and, and, and this is my favorite, is, is the sketch on a bar napkin. So you come up with a brilliant idea and you, you make a sketch of it on the bar napkin, but you have the idea for a way to solve some customer's need. That doesn't mean you have the engineering skill to put that into a production system. And so we can take the sketch on the bar napkin and do the rest of the engineering with you by asking you questions because the bar napkin usually doesn't give you all the information you need to make the part. Yeah, <laughs> there is no so, so space here. <laughs> but then even when the engineers have, have done their, their solid models and their, their CAD drawings and things like that, and they submit that frequently, and, I, and I'll, I see this with engineers that graduated from MIT and the highest schools and from people that have been practicing in industry for years is we'll get a drawing in. And so one of the things is on, on all these engineering drawings, there's tolerances. And so the tolerance is how much is the engineer willing to let you screw up that dimension and still accept the part? <laughs> okay. Perfect precision is impossible. Yeah. True. So everything, there's got to be some leeway. And sometimes they will specify tolerances that are physically impossible because you would have to calculate a negative number and it's hard to have a negative distance um, <laughs> and things like that. And so th that's, that's common practice. I, I remember once I had already accepted a $200,000 purchase order to make the parts 
the first twenty and the first twenty five thousand dollars of that purchase order was to develop the process to make the parts because nobody had ever made this part before. And and so part of developing the process is the inspection part. So the how do you measure the parts to make sure that they're good parts? And so we got to one of the last steps in the process, and one of the tolerances on the drawing was confusing. So I called the engineer from the other company and said, what is, what is it that you actually need here? Because the way you drew it on the papers is confusing. And he said, oh, that feature's not on the part. So not only was the dimension confusing, they had given me the wrong drawing for the part, along with the $200,000 purchase order. <laughs> that, that, that's a small mistake. <laughs> it, it, and, uh, and, and so... Those are the, those kind of things are actually not uncommon, and so part of our software is designed to try to to filter those out before you get to the physical part in the machine. Oh, okay, <laughs> that can solve a lot of issues. Yeah, yeah, and so that's that's sort of the the artificial intelligence of getting the right part. A lot of these manufacturing companies will make you exactly the part you asked for, regardless of what you needed. And our philosophy is to make you the part you need, regardless of what you asked for. I like that. By the way, I can jump here. Everybody talks about Eastern Europe and during the, you know, the communism and socialism here about, you know, the 2000 left shoes. So you need to burn them out. Right. So everybody that is wondering if it's really true. Yes, it's true. My father was working in a shoe factory and it happened. It was 1000 uh, shoe pairs. So one guy, I don't know, did something wrong and it was right shoes. I think all of them were right shoes. So they were like. Okay, destroy them. Let's begin a, 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 again. <laughs> so it's true. <laughs> so I guess you're trying to uh, solve or skip that part to avoid mistakes. And trying to fix that part before you even put a piece of material in the machine so that you never make the bad part. So you can make a mistake on in the computer, in a file, not on the real product. It's much cheaper to crash the computer than it is to crash the machine tool. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> This is interesting a lot. I, mean, I think this was a good and long, long background. Do you have anything to add? I mean, I talk for a living, so I could do it all day long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, th that's the professor's job. Can you, from all everything that you said, in 30 seconds, like briefly in bullet points, explain the successes that you got after joining the group? Any type of success. I think that the most important thing was the the people that I've already connected with through the uh, through the uh, online group there through the Facebook group and, and people like you and, and the fact that now I have a connection in Eastern Europe again. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> right. Uh, but it's 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 really that that networking, the conversations that we have. There's uh, there's a couple people that I already have appointments to meet when we get down to Miami and um, just the ability to take this to the next level. The, uh, the only reason to go to an event like this is to connect with the people. If all you want is the information from the speakers, then wait until um, next week and buy the $168 audio replay of the event. Yeah, like live feed or something. So if all you want is the information from the speakers, do that. Or just go look up who the speakers are and follow them on YouTube because they're not going to say anything new at the event. They're going to say something that they've already been talking about. Each of these speakers has has probably three different things that they talk about. But what you're going to get from the event is the people that you meet. This Facebook group was great because it let us meet people in advance. And it was pretty obvious from the first few weeks of it who the dominant people in the Facebook group were, because those were the people that were interacting, the people that were posting, the people that were asking questions, asking for help and asking who knows how to do this because I need to learn how to do that. And that's the best thing. It's hard to get that in three days 
in the room just from the five people you're sitting around. So you've got to get up and walk around. You've got to go talk to people and uh, and take advantage of these last couple of weeks on the Facebook group and get out there. If there's, if there's something that you know that you need to learn at that growth con, ask out in the group, who knows how to do this? What are the questions I should be asking myself before I get there? That's my other pet peeve is don't take any new information. I mean, don't try to get any new information unless you know what it is you want to learn. What is it? Why did you pick up this book? What is the information you want from that book before you pick it up? Get your knowledge on purpose, not on accident. And this ambassador group has allowed me to connect with some fabulous people around the world and around the country. And of course, it got me access to the Cardo News so that I could have done the training before I'd make people do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That definitely, the university is the the great resource. I mostly use it mostly for sales because that's my main profession. And I like the way you said that you should have a plan what you should learn and meet there, because I think Grant says this as well. You can you should have an open mind, but still you need to filter what you need to learn because not all information and knowledge is useful, even if it's good. Maybe it's not good for you. Maybe it's too much and it will paralyze you. And you can't possibly learn everything. Yeah, no way. No way. Definitely. Oh, and I'm guessing this Grant's putting this event on. Don't be upset if there's an upsell. <laughs> Expect. Be expecting the upsell. <laughs> yeah, upsell, downsell, side sell, everything sell. <laughs> Everybody's going to be selling there. So, I mean, I think he's even saying that and promoting that now. Oh, ab- absolutely. Um, it's I've 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 been to events before, um, and maybe I found out about the event because I had just bought into some coaching program, and then there's somebody from that coaching program that says, "Oh, you should go to this event," and then I go to that event. And then there's somebody speaking at that event, and I say, oh, I wish I had spent the money on this guy instead of the guy that sent me here. <laughs> but you can't do that. You can't go back. And if if you hadn't spent that first money, you wouldn't have gotten there. Yeah. <laughs> so you never would have known that you wished that you had the other guy. True. And basically, from what I understand, pickamentor.com helps that, right? That's the goal is to help people pick the right person in the first place. It's a great idea. I like it, actually. And I will definitely j- join the pickamentor. So curious, what message would you share with the people that are on the fences about the joining 10x nation or ambassador or this type of mindset? So the only reason you should ever hesitate to do something once you've seen the value once. And and so if you don't think there's any value, then just stop thinking about it. Get off the fence. But if you believe that there's value and you're hesitating to do it, the only reason to hesitate is because you don't think that you will put forth the effort that it's going to take to get that value. I like this. And so maybe it's because you've already committed to doing something else and 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 you believe the value of whatever that thing you're already committed to is higher than the value that you could get from this. I see. Right. And that's the only reason to ever hesitate. If if you see there's value in there and you can put forth the effort, if it's possible for you to do it, then do it. So if you cannot commit and you don't want to go along what what it needs to be done, the actions that you need to, to take, then don't do it. If you want to change and you... You're ready to take the action. Just do it. Yeah, I agree with you. You will you will see results definitely. And it's not that you can't take the actions. It's that you're afraid that you won't do it. Makes sense. So how can you help 10x ambassadors? I mean, you have so much knowledge. Well, hey, if they have a machine shop they want to sell, I'm buying. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're also looking at uh, multi-unit commercial real estate in the Northeast. So I, I don't want single tenants. 
but if it's five or six units and uh, they want to sell that, we're buying. And um, what else? Oh, but how can I help? So I could help them get rid of the stuff they don't want anymore. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it really is the, the so check out the, the pickaventor.com or, or private message me if you want to talk more about the uh, the things that I'm interested in and the things that I've done. Because um, I, I think at this, at this point, we're all here to contribute, not just to take. Yes, definitely. And that that's the purpose of this podcast, just to contribute, like paying it forward. Yeah, absolutely. And how can the people find you? What's the best way? So you can get me at professorbergstrom.com or profbergstrom, P-R-O-F-B-E-R-G-S-T-R-O-M.com. And all my contact information is right there. Okay, perfect. Well, guys, if you would like to hook up with uh, Toby, just find him on his website and you can chat. Or you can just Google me because it'll come up. Okay. <laughs> so you're, <laughs> you're out of the obscurity on the net. I like that. Yeah, I got I got disappointed because I used to be all 10 of the top 10, and now there's another guy <laughs> with my name up there. Yeah, hack him, hack him, hack him. <laughs> well, he's got a cool name, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so who do you refer to be my next guest on the podcast? I refer to be your next guest on the podcast. Yeah. Who do you know, as Grant says? Oh, I can't remember the name now, but there was, uh, there was a couple guys, business partners from Australia. Oh, yes. Who did a live video yesterday that I or, or I watched last night. Uh, I can't remember his name, but um, if you look that one up, I think he'd be a good guest on the podcast. Uh, he has some kind of e-commerce business. And also, I think this morning he he had some kind of kangaroo hunting, like he was driving with, with his truck. I think <laughs> I think he's that guy. Could be. I, 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 was, uh, I was busy doing something else this morning, so I haven't been on the Facebook yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I think you you know. But uh, but that that guy, um, he seems to have a lot to contribute. And I think also he's a second time. Uh, I think and it was. He, went, he said he went last year. Last year, yeah. Uh, is it Shane? Shane Schofield. Schofield. That sounds familiar. Yeah. I think this this guy. Yeah. I think he was on the podcast with Grant, so definitely I will contact him so we can have a mix of, of accents, <laughs> Eastern, <Yeah>. Australian, <laughs> Aussie, and everything. Okay, well, Toby, thank you for your time. I think this was a really great uh, podcast. You get a lot of information, especially about your business. Your, I think it's not one, one 10x, it's uh, 100x, the $1 billion through manufacturing. Also, I like the idea about pick your mentor. So I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks a lot for inviting me. I uh, was pretty proud to get invited to be on a podcast. Thank you. Outstanding. Bye. 10x your day and listen to the episodes on Friday. Bye-bye. What you know about the early morning workout? What is what you got to do to excel?